Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the SIG Podcast, Talking Titans. We got a hell of a show lined up for you today. We got an incredible guest, got tons more to talk about. Some coaches still on the hook with their teams, making us wait a little longer for interviews. Others we've already talked about. Uh, Man, it's going to be a loaded show. You're not going to want to miss it. Sammy, start me up. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The SIG Podcast. Talking Titans. Ladies and gentlemen, 94 yards. Touchdown, Titans. He is the baddest man in the NFL. And he just took her to the house. The sickest Tennessee Titans podcast. Sick! It's going to be sick. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Sick Podcast, Talking Titans. I'm Sal, as always, joined by my two co-hosts, Jarrett and Vin. Uh, how you guys doing tonight? Good? Can't complain, you know. Can't. Co- I mean, I could complain, but you don't want to hear my problems. I don't want to tell them to you, so. Uh, <laughs> I kind of want to tell you my problems either. Uh, but nevertheless, guys, we got a hell of a show lined up tonight. Um, we got an incredible returning guest. I don't want to waste a second. I'm bringing him in. So let's bring him on in. Mr. Teron Davenport. TD, how you doing today, my friend? How's the weather over there? Hey, you know what? I feel like I'm I'm back in PA, man. To be honest <laughs> with you. It's like 18 degrees. You got snow on the ground. It's yeah. ain't, not, ain't much different than up here. Yeah. No. But it's all good, though. You know? It's all yep. good. I just spent about an hour and a half salting my driveway, and uh, it's been a minute. I got to be honest. We've been pretty... We've been pretty lucky over the past couple of years, but we're due. So um, with all that being said, TD, first of all, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, we got a lot on uh, on the plate to talk about. But initially, let's just get right into the biggest news since we've last had you on. Uh, Titans have a new opening in their, uh, in their, in their coach position. Um, some saw it coming. Some didn't see it coming. I want your first rating from 1 to 10 of how surprised you were it happened and then after that, give us a little bit more detail on why you think, um, you know, the, the, the relationship had to end. Yeah, well, I, I'll say a month ago, I would have said like a seven or eight. But the week leading into that last game against the Jaguars, and especially Sunday, I would have said like a one or a two. Wow. It was almost a given that, that that was happening, to be honest with you, wow. uh, with some of the stuff that I gathered. Uh before that game and after that game, and then even that Monday with, with locker clean-out day, it was like, yeah, he's he's gone. So wow. there was there was a lot that went into it. Um, 
I'll try to give you the abbreviated version of it, but be as informative as possible. And basically, when you look at the situation, right, as Diana Rossini and Joe Rexroth excellently reported, Ryan Cowden was the guy that, that Mike Vrabel wanted, right? And and, and when you had that situation, um, he and Rand got along. As you saw, you know, in the story that I wrote, uh, there's no lies there or anything like that. Was there disagreements? Obviously. But I'm sure you three, as much as you guys work together, have had disagreements with you. Work it out, right? And that's that's a part of a human relationship. So you did have that, but it was just the acceptance and, and willingness to. It just wasn't there that that true self-sacrificing teamwork uh, approach to things. So you had that you had a lot of ideas, right? We know Chad Brinker. I mean, the Packers put him through. He has his master's in the analytics, right? The Packers put him through school to, to do that. This dude has an analytical model for everything down to, you know, player injuries, as he touched mm -hmm. on in his opening uh, press conference. So a lot of those things weren't incorporated. And then you look at some of the other things as far as uh, just being a more innovative franchise. Uh, that was something that, that the organization wanted to do. And a part of that innovation is a more modern offense. We know what this league is all about passing the football and yes, you want to run the football, but it's also about stopping the pass. What did this team do? They focused on running the football and stopping the run. Yep. You have, you, you know, whoever passed for 350 yards and they're like, yeah, but they only rushed for 60. So what? They dropped 28 on you. you. You know what I mean? So you have that, that approach. And that's not, I'm not saying that like to take away from Mike Vrabel because Mike Vrabel, in my opinion, is a really good coach, but I just know he wasn't a match for what the Titans wanted to do and their progression into a more modern franchise. And that particular part was, was in the way. And it was one of those things where they said, well, you know what, you know, the definition of insanity doing the thing, same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And they said, no more, they're not doing it anymore. And that's why the move was made. Now, you think it was his stubbornness that he didn't want to do it? Do you think he wanted to do it? And how was, like, the players in the locker room? Did he did he lose the locker room? Because Jeffrey Simmons, you see these guys tweeting over and over again. You saw um, Tart tweet out, uh, Johnson tweet out, you know, that they're focused on the defense when they should be focused on the offense. And Jeffrey Simmons tweeting out saying, hey, you know, if he wasn't worried about hiring his buddies for the offensive side of the ball and try to hire outside, you know, maybe it would be a different story here. So do you think it was his stubbornness? And, and did he lose the locker room with the offense? Because uh, the defense pre uh, pre played pretty well uh, this season. So how do you see that playing out with the players with Mike Vrabel? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, you could call it stubbornness, but you could also call it pride. You could also call call it just, hey, I know what works for me, right? And and it's hard to just stop what you have. I mean, let's, let's face the facts, right? Mike Vrabel has achieved levels of success that, you know, only few do, Right. He's won multiple Super Bowls as a player. What he's seen works, but the problem is it wasn't working there. And you talk about the players. So if you remember a little bit ago, and Sal, I appreciate you because I know a lot of people, after I asked Mike Vrabel for an example of why he maintains the locker room, you stood up and said, oh, no, that's not a stupid question, and I appreciate that. Because of course that's not. 
I'm not going to ask him, hey, do you have control of the locker room? Because naturally, what's he going to do? Say yes. So you skip over that. Well, tell me how. And there was there was a reason why I asked that question. That was because there were rumblings among the players that they weren't happy with Mike Vrabel. And it was for multiple people, none of which tweeted about it. Okay, so that's something. Um, It's just one of those things. And I said it before. I'll keep saying it. It's a lot like the 49ers before they got Jim Harbaugh as the head coach. Mike Singletary took over. He was the coach, the interim. They won some games, and it was cool. Everybody was like, oh, yeah, I like this style. It's rugged. That's what we're going to do. Then they started losing, and everybody was like, man, that stuff's for the birds. I'm not – I'm not. that message isn't the same. And that's basically to some, not all, to some what happened uh, uh, with the Titans. But I will say this. For it to be as close, kept as it was, is really a testament to Mike Vrabel and, and that coaching staff because you look in Philly with the Eagles. I mean, you know, I could point my finger at you, you point your finger at him, and he points his finger. That's what's going on, right? And, and I, I think that shows you the difference between the, the two, to be honest yeah. with you, between Sirianni and, and Mike Vrabel. Uh, my question for you, Teron. Um, well, first, thank, thanks for coming back on. I enjoyed our little Philly talk. I didn't know you were from the area. So, yeah, yeah. Like we say, Philly support Philly, but not in this regard right now because we're talking about the Titans. Um, so, you gave a pretty detailed explanation as to why um, you thought there was the breakup between Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans just now. You know, when Sal asked you, you gave a nice, detailed answer. My question is, and that seemed to be um, the the consensus between everyone we had on the show, that there wasn't going to be a breakup. Now, you gave a pretty solid answer or detailed answer as to why they did break up. Why was your confidence so high that they weren't going to get rid of them when we had you on just a few weeks ago? Same with Taylor Anderson. When we had her on, she she said that it wasn't going to happen. But yet you gave a pretty detailed answer as to why it did happen. Why was there – why did it take till the end of the season – for this to unfold this quickly. Was it because Vrabel kept it so tight-lipped? Because it seems like you as an insider knew that there was friction and you seemed pretty confident four or five weeks ago he was going to be here. Mm-hmm. So why? W- what happened in that time frame that it just seemed like overnight that it was, you know, what made it, what made it fall so hard is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, that's another good question. Well, I- I'll say this. It-, it was one of those things over time. Like it 100% was not, an emotional rash decision for Amy Adams strong to fire and Mike Vrabel, just the same as it wasn't a rash decision to fire John Robinson. It, it was something that over time, right. And when this season started, like before this season, there were thoughts like, all right, we're just going to make it work. We can make it work. And it, it's just one of those things Like you picture yourself in a relationship, right. And, and you're giving your lady every chance to get right. And she just can't get right. You know what I mean? And, and somebody asked you, you know, hey, are, are you and so-and-so going to break up? No, we're good. We're, you know, working on some things, but we're good. And that's more or less what was happening, right? But on the other side of things, it just continuously deteriorated to a point where it's just like, why am I doing everything I can to, to placate this side and pulling this side to placate it too, Rand Carthon and, 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 the, and the crew? We're just going. We're going to stop it. We're going. We're going to re- revisit. You know what we thought about in the past, and 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 make it happen that way. I think that's 
it's like a rough way to, to explain it, but it's just it was over time, and then yeah. finally it, it was just like you know what, not going to do it anymore. So you're saying behind closed doors they made it seem like everything was kind of hunky dory a little bit, and that they were going to make it work, which is where your optimism and Taylor's optimism came in. They we were said, trying to. Yeah, we, we it seemed like they were trying to where we think like, yeah, it's going to work. And that's where your optimism came from in Taylor's because you made it sound like there was going to be no ifs, ands, or buts that Vrabel was going to come back. But it kind of seems like the analogy that you used in a relationship behind closed doors, you want to make it seem good on the surface until mm-hmm. the point where you can't even hide it anymore. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of where it came in with Vrabel. You know, you couldn't hide the fact that there was, you know, friction in the relationship. And I guess over time, like you said, that, it kind of got to the point where I was like, okay, um, we're going to go our, our separate ways. There's there's two tipping points, I would say, to describe it best. <clears throat> between the relationship ending between John Robinson and the Titans and Mike Vrabel and the Titans. Now, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I called it both times when I said these are big deals that the organization, especially Amy Adams Strunk, is not going to like. And I got ridiculed for it, but that'll be for another show when it's just the three of us. I'm not going to bore TD with that. <laughs> With that being said, the first instance was John Robinson dapping up A.J. Brown in Philadelphia like things were cool, nothing was going wrong. Um, That rubbed Amy the wrong way. Absolutely did. It it was brought up after the release. The second instance would be Mike Vrabel going to New England and saying a few things that it wouldn't take being in the organization or a fan of the organization to know we're really out of line when you're the head coach of a different NFL franchise. How big of a part did you think that had in the decision? And do you think, just like with the John Robinson instance, it was probably the final nail in the coffin for Amy Adams Strong saying the things he did in Foxborough? Yeah, I don't think that was the tipping point. I think continuing to lose was to where it was like, okay, (laughs) I'm doing everything I can to make it work, and we're losing I think that really was the reason. And, you know, the the part with John Robinson and, and A.J. Brown, I don't know that that rubbed her the wrong way or not, but I will say, like the Mike Vrabel situation, that was an, an ongoing thing. And more seeing the separation of talent between that roster and this roster is, is what did that. And that was an ongoing thing that started. I mean, remember, going into that year, this organization, they – Dylan Radins, they they gift wrap the, the right tackle position for him. Mm. The cornerback was one of the starting cornerback positions. Caleb Farley, these are your top two picks, mm. you, you know, and they were supposed to be starters, and we know what happened there. So I think you look at that and then just the continuous, like the deterioration of the roster and the separation, that's really what it was. But, like, for Mike Vrabel, um, I, I would – like to believe that you know those comments were one of those ones where you like it probably did affect her, but I don't think that that was like the tipping point. Okay, so so moving on, we're closing the door on Mike Vrabel. We're opening up the door for another head coach over here. We've hi- we've already uh, I believe interviewed five to six guys already. Brian Callahan being one of them. Ben Johnson on the list as well as Lions offense coordinator Bobby Slowick. Um, you know, Dan Quinn, all, all these other guys on the list over yeah. here. In your personal opinion, whether who do you think your personal self is, who do you think the best coach is for the Titans, and who do you really think Rand Carthon is going to actually target to be the next head coach for the Tennessee Titans? Right. So there's 10 guys that they've they've uh, re- put requests in for. Yeah. Four interviews. 
Brian Callahan was the first, the Bengals OC. Mike Kafka, the Giants OC, was the second. And some will say, why? Well, you look at the Andy Reid ties, and it makes sense. I don't think he should get the job, but it makes sense to at least uh, hear him out. So you got that, and then you the next day they did the defensive guys, right? Antonio Pierce, interim Raiders coach. I get it, right? He's a CEO. He's a dictator. You could have, uh, you, you know, somebody that will come in and, and, and set the tone of the franchise, right, and, and the culture. And then Mike McDonald, who we saw what he did with this Ravens. That Ravens team is ridiculous. Yeah. That defense is crazy. Now, with Mike McDonald, hopefully for his sake, he could bring Chuck Smith with him because you look at those outside uh, linebackers, they're killing it, right? But then you got six guys left over. So you ask me who I think the best one is, and I will without a doubt say Brian Callahan. And I, you look at him, you look at the quarterbacks he's worked with, right? Peyton Manning, Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr, say what you want about him, and, and, and Joe Burrow. And then you look at just the way – he has the Shanahan ties, right? Uh, his father was a coach, Bill Callahan. Speaking, speaking of that, I'm going to cut you off before you get to me over there. If they do hire him, I love that you said the, the father because he's an offensive line coach for the Cleveland Browns, veteran guy who's been in the league. And our, our I've been I've been saying it since the end of the season. We need to bring a veteran offensive line coach to help these young guys develop in the NFL. That's all yeah. I got to say. So keep going. Keep yeah, going. No, Callahan, Callahan would definitely be a good option there. I just have to see if the Browns would allow yeah. him to leave. I mean, it's sentimental. Hey, man, I want to go work with my son. I can see them saying, okay. But that being said, you also look at – so I, I kind of – I took a, a dive into him because I just – I watched a few videos of him speak, and I was like, yo, I need to see more. So I went in. I watched some of his coaching clinics. I, I you know, reached out to some people in Cincinnati. And it, the one thing that they told me was how he inspires the players. And obviously, as a head coach, you have to do that. X's and O's are important, but you got to be able to dial in and tap into the guys, right? So you look at uh, week six – they beat the Seattle Seahawks 17 to 13, right? Again, I will say they beat the Seahawks, right? They came out victorious. It was a W in, in the column, okay? They had the bye week the next week. Before that bye week, when they gathered as an offense, he lit it to the whole crew. Again, they beat the Seahawks. He lit into the whole crew. They had 214 yards of total offense. He took offense to that. He didn't like how the offense ran. And he laid into them. They come back from the bye week. What does he do? Lay into them again. They go out to San Francisco. They drop 33 on the 49ers in Santa Clara. Hmm. Orlando Brown Jr. talked about how he lit a fire under the offense. That's what I want if I'm hiring somebody, right? Hmm. But then you also look at he spoke in one of his clinics about tendencies, right? And we all know that the Titans, whether it's Todd Downing or Tim Kelly, those first couple drives usually go pretty well. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> he spoke about establishing those tendencies, that script, and showing the defense what you want to show them, see how they react, and then attacking that way. And he talked about making those adjustments, right, and how important it is to do that and how important it is to recognize you have tendencies and these are the things you got to fall back to in critical moments. Instead of you know, a tight end reverse or, you know, some crazy stuff like that. And it's cool when it works. Right. But you don't want to always rely on that in critical moments. And that's what he was talking about. And then he also shared making adjustments off of things that you do well. Right. T Higgins, the slot fade is something they always found success with. 
So what do they do? Okay, well, we're going to put you there. We want you to release outside, drive up the scene, chop it down, and work your way back to the quarterback because we want to hit you on a fade stop. The next mm-hmm. time we want you to get that outside release, drive up the field like you're going to the to the uh, the, the fade plant and then come across and we'll hit you across the middle. These are our adjustments to things that you already established that you do well. And it sounds real simple, right? Yeah. But it's not things that you saw consistently over the last three or four years. No. When you're looking at the Titans offense. So I could go on and on about that. There's more with him, but that's that's just a piece. Now, I will also say this. Thomas Brown is a very intriguing guy. He's the most recent uh, request. And when you look at him, the Sean McVay ties, right? Mm-hmm. He worked with McVay for two years. Running backs coach, tight ends coach also. And we know the importance of a tight ends coach because you're involved in the running and the pass game. And he was also, by the way, assistant head coach on the Sean McVay. So you do have that. And people will say, hey, look at the Carolina game or season. And I get it. But that wasn't his offense. That was Frank Wright's offense. And then you look at the two games that they won. Coincidentally, those where they had like a really good outing, that was when he was running his offense. And you'll see a lot. And, oh, by the way, he worked with Liam Cohen with, mm. with the Rams. And we know the connection to, to Will Levis, right? Will Levis' yeah. best season, Liam Cohen was calling the plays. Who knows? Maybe Liam Cohen comes to the Titans instead of going to the Bears because he wants to work with Will, Will Levis and his friend, Thomas Brown. You do have that option. So Brown is a guy you definitely have to look at as well. What do you think of Slowick? I hear his name the most thrown around. What do you think yeah. about him? Okay, so you say most likely to get the who I think is most likely is Slowick. Now, a lot of the feedback I got was that he's not ready, just as far yeah. as the leadership aspect. Again, the X's yeah. and O's, they're good, but you got to be able to lead men. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I didn't get that he's there yet. So you do have that, but you look at the famili- familiarity with, with Rand. I mean, six yeah. years together in San Francisco. <clears throat> Obviously, you know, Kyle Shanahan, he understands the, you know, collaboration part of it, you know, that it it takes in order to be an organization like the 49ers. So I I could see just the familiarity being something. But uh, I I know that Rand and and Burke Hill and Adolfo, uh, Amy Adams, Strunk, they're all going to really exhaust this process. And and Mm. I think they're going to pick the right one. Yeah, it's curious to see if uh, Callahan uh, comes here, if, if that would maybe make it a little easier to get T. Higgins in free agency, brings brings this guy with him. That'd be yeah, – not Tyler Boyd. I mean, that's yeah, not a player. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of Tyler Boyd. T. Higgins to me is a great talent, but he's had some trouble staying on the field the last mm-hmm. few years. So I'd be a little hesitant to, you know, pay him. Probably he's going to command, I would assume, close to $20 million a year, give or take. Yeah. Um, my question is for you, you know, since we're past variable, we just talked about who we might hire. I want to skip towards the draft. Okay. Cause I'm driving myself a little crazy with different scenarios and, and we are, are we all? Yeah. Mock draft simulator. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, what, what, me up late a couple nights. I'll admit. Yeah, exactly. Watching highlights of Joe <laughs> all two in the morning, you know, um, <laughs> But we are picking seventh, and to play devil's advocate, I think we all agree we need a left tackle, right? We, yeah, we yeah. need a left tackle desperately. We we have Skaronsky, who I think wasn't fully healthy this year after his appendectomy. He showed signs that, um, you know, he belongs, and I think he will have a bounce back year and, and prove, you know, to be worthy of where we picked him last year. I think we solidify the left side of the line, um, protect Will Levis' blind side, hopefully, for the next decade. But to play devil's advocate – 
let's just say that the two tackles are gone. The Penn State um, Ola is gone, and then Alt is gone. Um, at seven, do, do you think maybe we trade back or do we take best player available? Um, obviously, if one of the tackles is there, I assume we take them. But if they're not, because Chargers look like they might need a tackle, the Giants look like they might need a tackle. Um, if neither of them are there at seven, what's what's the move? Is it the trade back or if both tackles are gone, that might mean Malik Neighbors is there. Um, do we go with someone like him or, or what do you think? First off, who do you think we do take if both tackles are there? If not, who do you think we go? What's the move if they're gone? Yeah, so both of them are there. I think it's Joe Alt. And in my opinion, yeah, I'll, I'll say it. I don't think there's a player in this draft more ready than Joe Alt. Mm. Like Caleb Williams included. Uh, like he's that. the most ready player. And you watch him, and yeah, you're going to have some issues with pad level. He's six freaking eight, so you're going to have that. But, <laughs> you know, you work you work on that. I think he's the most pro ready. So Interesting. Uh, he would be the guy. And I, I think when you look at what this team needs to do, they need they need instant impact cornerstone type players. And, and yes, we do. That's the that's the best option, in my opinion. Now you mentioned the Chargers. I mean, Malik Neighbors is intriguing there for them, right? Rome yeah. Aduze is, is intriguing there because okay, Keenan Allen, uh, Mike Williams, especially like those guys have they've had trouble staying healthy. You know, and the Giants. Yeah. I mean, you got uh, Evan Neal at right tackle. Hasn't been that good, but he was like a top 10 pick just two yeah. years ago. So I don't know what they'll do. <clears throat> but if they're both gone, um, you could trade back. That is an option. Uh, I wouldn't go back too far because you look at Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma. I think he's someone, and I can never pronounce his name, but uh, the, the, my man from Oregon, uh, Troy Fautano, I think it is. Like A lot of people think that he could play. He may bounce aside to, to play guard. I don't know. Like, I want to see what the measurables are and stuff like that because I know, like, the short arms is what made a lot of people think Skaronsky was more uh, of a guard. But I think he could be a tackle also, and I think you could trade back, like, in the 15s, the 20s. But it takes two to tango, you know what I mean? So, uh, and, and if a guy that's intriguing enough for a team to trade up for is there as a, as a team like the Titans that have, like, a CBS list of, of, of needs, I don't know that, you, you know, you, you give up that guy. Yeah, but you believe though, um, if even if one of the tackles is there, if Alt's gone, they take the kid from Penn State. If the kid from Penn State's gone, they take Alt. Is that what you're saying? I, I think, yeah, if they follow the board accordingly, right? And whereas you do it horizontally, like uh, position of need versus the, the overall rank, I, I don't see. I mean, you're looking at the first or second tackle which is a position that you're dying for versus the second or third, depending on how you look at it. Cause some people will have uh Keon Coleman ahead of neighbors uh, or, or doing say like, you know what I mean? You, you have the yeah. second or third receiver and versus the, the top tight end and Brock Bowers, you know, which I don't do that. Except. Something's telling me, man, because they made the move, they fired Vrabel. Uh, I think Amy's going to give Rand some more power. Something's telling me they're going to do something off the wall in this draft, and they're going to shock a lot of people, whether that be figuring a way to get Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm not throwing that away just yet. Doing something out of the box to let the fans know, hey, listen, obviously we need to protect Will Levis, and that is priority number one before anything. But there's a new, there's numerous amounts of different ways you can do that if Alt or the guy for Penn State aren't available or you don't want to go that route. There's plenty of ways to keep your, your young quarterback safe. 
Um, and I think, you know, I don't know. We're going to find out. But I, I just think something off the wall is coming in the draft. And if you think you know what it is, TD, let me know. I don't know what it is. But that's another reason why I like Brian Callahan. Because you look at what he's had to do throughout his time in Cincinnati, right? He's found success on offense with limitations on the offensive line. So that's yet another reason why, like, I stand yeah. Ted toes down. And, like, he's, he's the guy. You know what I mean? But Left. You're, you're, this draft is deep at, at tackle and receivers. So – you know, you yeah. do have that, but you, there will there's always a drop off. You know. Yeah, but like you said, you don't want it. You want that cornerstone left tackle. You want that. You want that one A to one number one wide receiver because Traylon Burks ain't it. I already said uh, in our post postseason wrap up that, in my opinion, cut your ties, trade him, get anything for him, a fourth, a fifth, or whatever you want. Yeah, we, we, we need we need draft capital. We don't have a, a fourth or I mean a third round pick this year. Right. Um. So so TD going into this, I, I want, want to play a little game. You're gonna cut. You're gonna keep, and you're gonna go after somebody for the Titans. Um, yeah. Who All are you right. cutting on the current roster? Who are Ooh. you keeping? And who are you going after on free agency? <laughs> I'm cutting Andre Dillard, man. Thank you, sir. <laughs> we agree with one. That's the T-ball. That's the T-ball. That's it. Yeah. You, <laughs> uh, so who am I keeping free agent-wise? Uh, free agents, that's gonna that's on the Titans. Who are you keeping on the yeah. Titans? Hey, man, Danico Autry. Yeah, easy. You got to keep him. Because he's not only a beast against, you know, rushing the pass. He's something easy. against the run, too. So yeah, I'm he's keeping just Autry. A monster. Yeah. Now, what was the other one? And who are you targeting in free agency, not on the Titans, on other teams to come to the team? Uh, we talked about T. Higgins. I do like that. Uh, Robert Hunt from the Dolphins. The, the That's who okay. I talk. So, so you're going to revamp the whole – you're going to let Aaron Brewer go. You're going to move Brunsko to the center, tackle the guard <laughs> position. And keep MPF over there at right tackle. If we if we draft Ola or Joel, I I, I reserve MPF to to swing tackle. I don't yeah. think he's starting caliber at either position. To be honest with you, mm. uh, the center is something that may maybe draft. That's what I'm looking forward to a Senior Bowl for you know to see some of these centers up close and, and yeah. I, I think that's a position. Nasty. But as much as I like Brewer, I, I just he's light in the ass. Yeah, you you just it's just like yes, yeah. you, you can't. You, know, you can do about that. Yeah, one name you I want to throw Hunt, out there is you know. a, go ahead. No, you're good. Well, I'm saying you bring in Hunt, you get him. Uh, I think that's that's really, really a really good option. Yeah, uh, sure up the inside. Yeah, TD, we're gonna we're gonna let you run. One name I want to sprinkle in there that I've been saying, and I don't. I'm pretty sure he's a free agent. I've wanted him for multiple years. That's Danielle Hunter of, of Minnesota. I think he fit in perfectly with this defense, and yeah. you know yeah. he averages like 12 sacks a season. Like nobody talks about him. One of the best players on the planet. Um, he does just float under the radar. Yeah, like it's, like, it's, gonna guy, depend, it's gonna depend on off what they do defensively, though. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. they're running that three four, perfect. But he he is one of the, he could be a situational rusher, you know, in a in a four three type of scheme. Yeah. But do you pay him what he would he would want to be a situational guy? That's the only yeah. thing. Yeah. I think he's like 31 now. So I don't I don't know if it'll be monstrous, but either way, uh there's a lot of a lot of players that, that we're gonna be looking at moving into this offseason that uh might be people we bring in, like go keep, so on and so forth. But TD, um, I want to thank you once again for joining us. You're one of our most favorite guests to have on here. Uh, your insight is second to none. You're an X's, X's and O's guys, and we love that about you. So 
Uh, appreciate you taking the time out tonight, and we can't wait to have you back on in the future. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate you guys. All right. Thank Take care, boys. That's Teron Davenport, friend of the show. We appreciate tremendously having him on. Uh, man, he's got knowledge on knowledge on knowledge. And yeah, you, you could pick his brain for hours and hear, listen to him talk for hours. So we thank so much for him coming on. Um, yeah, I mean, really, there's, 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 I'm just waiting for the first domino to fall here, obviously. And I'm, I'm not talking about the firings because the variable was the only domino that I was looking for. So everything else is cake at this point. But I'm talking about the revamping of our football team, the first domino to fall, whether that be a huge free agency uh, signing or – which we would assume before the draft we're going to get some people in here. But, um, yeah, I don't know. What, what do you think the next step is in this process, guys, as far as what the next change is going to be? I mean, well, they got it. Obviously, I'm curious to see uh, what other changes they make to the staff after they hire their head coach. If they bring in Callahan, will he call the plays or will he hire an offensive coordinator to work to work under him? Um, <clears throat> I'm curious to see what happens with the whole staff, though. I mean, top to bottom, no, I don't think anybody's safe. The athletic trainer, the strength and conditioning coach, the way this team was injured the last few years, I'd like to see them, you know, tear it down to the foundation and try and build it back up as best as possible. But I really like what he said about Callahan and his, um, you know, ability to work with less because you see what the Bengals did the year their offensive line was abysmal. They came to Nashville and beat us. We sacked him nine times, but they still put up uh, 19 points, which is which was enough to beat us that day. So I tend to lean that they're going to go – not to say I want Slowick, but it seems like all signs point to that. He is the betting favorite. I wanted to ask TD. I forgot about it, though. What is – is there any validity to this Dan Quinn thing? Because right now – He's the second no. favorite to, to, to get I this can answer job. That for you. No. And I saw someone tweet yesterday, if we hire Dan Quinn, I might just go ahead and be a Lions fan or something like that. Holy not, not that I would ever do that, but I think that would just be the worst hire. I think the direction of this team is to go young, go offensive-minded. So I tend to think it's going to be Slowick, but I think Teron kind of talked me into really liking um, Callahan as well. So – We'll see what happens. But after, to answer your question, Sal, to, to, after we hire our head coach, I want to see what other changes there are to the staff. I, I'm you're just, saying, go ahead. I'm, you said, I'm, holy, I'm, so go. The floor is yours. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going on a rant. I just, I can't believe Daniel Hunter had 16 and a half sacks this year. That's crazy. Go oh, ahead. I, th- I thought you were going to say something like breaking news while we're on no, the show. I was no, going to say, no, floor no, is no. yours. No, I mean, I'm a big believer in um, Brian Callahan. Uh, he was the first um, um, interview interview for us but everyone's sleeping on ben johnson man you watch the lions all season the the lions offense moves there's a lot of motion he gets these wide receivers in open space and that's what we need to do so i'm all in on an offensive coach and a young offensive minded coach that shows innovation for this offense so hopefully that those are my two top picks over yeah. here so the bobby slovic he, he changed my mind that he's not ready he's an x's and o's guy great but like you said you need a guy who can lead and if he's not ready to lead and amy's going to see that and rand's going to see that don't want him. We need a leader of men, especially going into this new stadium. I'm just I I don't think Ben Johnson just doesn't he doesn't really look like a leader though. I'm be honest with you. Have you seen some of his his press conferences about the offense and from year one to year I two? I have not. So I'm not going to speak too much on it. But just by looking at him, Pierre Dinklage didn't look like a leader. But but my man saved the, yeah. the second kingdom. Well, I don't want Peter fucking Dinklage as my coach either. Okay, I'm just saying you can't judge a book by its cover. What a leader looks no, like. No, I won't. And listen, Lafleur is a perfect example of that. Even though Lafleur has always had a little bit of an edge, and you've always seen that he's got a little bit of a 
you know, a little bit of a fire. In, in, uh, uh, we changed our Yeah, rewind a little bit. And Arthur Smith was in Atlanta for three years. No, no, no. I said, I said he was the only semi exception. And I said, uh, and they're not even firing really on all cylinders. Now, of course, the last time they played, they sure as fuck did. And I <laughs> tweeted, I was wrong. I know, I saw that it. People I saw say it. I never do. That's I saw the point. I saw it. Um, I digress. Yeah, you know, I got so many. We went to therapy this week, Sal. We had a good session. Let's leave the past. <laughs> I got so, I'm so, you know, listen, all I know is I'm so full of shit. It's coming out of my fucking ears. That's ah, I mean. you're still stuck on that. You're, you're putting words in my mouth, CNN. That is literally verbatim what you the said. Context in which I said it was not what you think it was. I know, I, I know. Said, if you think me and Jared have an answer for everything, you said he and said you don't. You spider. Yeah, you mutter and stuff. On your way back, bring me a cutty and water, spider. All right. <laughs> um, no, I got a question for you guys though. Um, you know, I know we we're very excited to see to see what happens um, with who we hire and whatnot. Uh, my question for you guys is 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 also regarding the draft because we're all, you know, I know we love a lot of players. Um, what's your best case scenario for us in this draft? You know, one of these tackles falls in our lap. You take whichever one you want, or if both are there, which one do you take? If they're both gone, do we take the best player available? What do you think are? And I know it's it's not fair to ask this really because it's all contingent on what we do in free agency, which is you know, coming up in another month and a half or so. But what's your dream scenario for this draft? What do you think would – would what do you want, really? I'm going to tell you how I think almost almost certain where I think – we're going we're gonna to do a little top-ten mock draft uh, later on in the offseason. But how this how this offseason is going to go, quarterbacks are going to go right off the board, flying off, either three or four of them. I know. Everyone's are you saying Jaden Daniels comes off the board that high? Jaden Daniels is going to come off the board. He's going to be high. gone before seven. Whether, yes. whether it be the Giants, whether it be the Giants, because I have friends that are Giant fans, <laughs> and they're hearing stuff as well on, on Giants Twitter. It'll be the Giants either taking him or neighbors. Marvin Harrison Jr. is gone, whether it be with um, the Bears. Oh, Florida, Arizona. Florida, Arizona, correct. I don't know so if that, he's going to be gone at seven, guys. That, yes, I, there's too many players. We're no, talking about quarterback. One of those players that are going to be so sought after that, you know, hey, listen, and it could be a situ- similar situation to when Julio got drafted by Atlanta. He, he fell, I think, to, to five or six, and they leapfrogged everybody and traded up to get him, you know, yeah, from you the watch out. first round. That's how sought after he was. I you think watch out for Atlanta, after, too. if he falls to four, five, six, you're going to see teams leapfrogging. To trade yeah, up, that's yeah, we, expected. Might, we could be one we, of them, Ben. We, I was gonna say we, we could be one of them, and I think he's the only guy I would take over one of these tackles for I sure. If he, if he is gone, then you take one of these tackles. It's never the sexy pick, but if we can secure Will Levis's blind side for the next decade, it's, a, it's a no brainer. You're building with him. But like I said, you got to watch out for Atlanta because Bill Belichick came reported um, saying that he was interested in, in, in an untalented, semi-good roster. If he has that and he can leapfrog with somebody, uh, you know, the Bears, get their quarterback, get those guys out of there, he, he's rolling with steam. But the Giants don't need a tackle, let's face it. They have a, a top 10 tackle. I know, looking like a bust, though, man. They have that. They have Anthony Thomas as well. Of course, they're going to roll with that. They're going to. They're paying him. They're not going to go right away with that. The Chargers, everyone's saying, you, you included, so the Chargers need 
need a tackle. When you really look at and break down the Chargers roster, they don't need a wide receiver. They drafted one in Johnson last year. They have Keenan now, and they have Mike, Mike Williams. Williams is gone. What He's they don't have he makes twenty what, million a year. What they don't have gone too. is an elite tight end. Brock Bowers will be off the board with the uh, with the Chargers. That leaves us with our pick of the litter between Ola and Alt and Roma Duzier. So those three will be on the board for us, and Rand will make the decision where we're going after a Jamar Chase type of player in uh, Roma Duzier, or we're gonna we're gonna stone, we're gonna build within, and we're gonna build the core of our offensive line and protect him with the blind side with Skaronski and Joel or, or Ola. So let's just say to play devil's advocate, Ola, Alt, or there, Jared's making the pick. Who we picking? I'm gonna go. But well, here's the thing, though. Like, I'm, I'm. We're talking about Caleb Williams, Michael Penix. No, no. Penix, Penix needs a huge Senior Bowl for his it's draft gonna, stock to climb Caleb because Williams, Michigan exposed May, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniel, yeah. Marvin Harrison Jr. That's five. That's four right there. But we're okay. talking Brock Bowers. Might you said Brock Bowers might be gone before seven. Brock I don't really believe in taking a tight end. No, but I'm saying like he's not a tight about, end. We're talking about so many players. There, there's so much like there's nothing that's ever guaranteed in the NFL draft. Things happen so crazy. So yeah, I, we, I agree. What, what we need to stop doing is acting as if the only the only players we're gonna get is at seven, because that is not that. There are plenty more possibilities. We could trade up. Honestly, we could trade up two spots to five. It might cost us, you know, whatever it's going to cost, but you never know. So we we really need to just think about what who we're going to try to attack in this draft. Now, there's three options for me. There's one that I'm going to be happy about. There's one that I'm going to be ecstatic about, and there's one that I'll settle for. Happy is Joel. I'm all in on Joel. I watched his tape. He looks like literally. He looks like. Um, Thor or like like some or Thanos playing left tackle. It's the weirdest thing ever. He's like the largest guy in the entire stadium everywhere. Big he plays. family ties in the NFL too. Of There's course. a and he looks like a dog. He looks yeah. like a Lawan rah rah kind of guy, just like Levis. That's what you want. You want Notre, left Notre Dame guy too. So you gotta think he's got it up top. Of course. So I'd be very happy with Joel. I'm settled. Not gonna change on that one lick, especially after what TD said. Um. Ecstatic would be Marvin Harrison Jr. There's just so sure. many. There's so many storylines between the father, him being as almost no can't miss as it can be. Um, you know, he you know, having him with Levis for a decade. Forget about it. And then the settle will be the, the uh, Penn State guy. I haven't really looked much into him yet. Yeah, he because didn't have back in like two years. If he's so. if he's the real deal, he's the real deal. And I'll I think the consensus is at least between the three of us that it's got to be a tackle unless. Unless whether you trade up, want him. Falls the uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. So yeah. I think we're all on the same page there. I really don't think they're going to draft Brock Bowers. I I don't see. I think they still have some some faith in Chig a little bit. It was only his second year. He came on a little bit at the end of the year. I don't see them taking Bowers. Neighbors, if both tackles are gone, which I think one of them will be there, but. We're gonna, I'm with break down, we're, gonna, we're gonna break down the wide receivers in, in a couple of shows because if I if I say what I'm gonna say right now, the show is gonna go on for another three hours. Or, or like save for another show. Or like Sal said, what if we pull some shit that Houston did last year where they drafted Stroud, traded back up, took Will Anderson, I think second and third. Yeah. What if we get one of these tackles at seven, whether it's Alt or Ola, and then it's pick twelve and 
Roma Duzier or Malik Neighbors or Keon Coleman or whoever they have their eye on that they didn't think would fall to 12, 13, 14 is still there, trade back in and go get not well, only your franchise left tackle, but your potential number one wide receiver to pair up with DeAndre Hopkins. Who knows? It costs you a first round pick. So. Sure, sure. But all great things come with, you know, a price. So Yeah, no, no, no. Of course. It's just I don't know if Ran year two is going to want to really – yeah, you know, just and like of, I said, it's all contingent yeah. on agency because we could sign T. Higgins or and give him the bag, yeah. and we could forget about drafting a receiver in the first few rounds because then you'd have Hopkins, Higgins. Um, you know, I, I doubt they get rid of Burks because they're paying him nothing, and there's not going to really be a trade partner for him. So if you can get Higgins in free agency, then the move 110% is is all but or or Ola. But if uh, you know, you don't go after receiver in free agency, it kind of leaves it. You know, draft night could be a bit of a mystery for us if we don't go after receiver and free agency. You know? Yeah. I mean, the thing about Marvin Harrison, like, listen, there's a plethora of people, you know, including my dad, you know, that that, that are trying to reach from, hey, listen, there's there's tons, tons of, of wide receiver options. It's a deep wide receiver draft. There's no need to, you know, sell the farm for one guy. But the reason why my excitement for him and my desire to obtain him is as high as it is, um, he's showtime. You know what I mean? Like, the, yeah, yeah. He's he, a needle mover, as you like he, this. Well, he is, but beyond that, like, he's Marvin Harrison fucking junior. Okay, yeah. he's got he's got the showtime that's going to come with him. He's got all the pressure in the world. He's already showed he can handle it on the biggest college stage there can possibly be. I'm going to say my money's on. He's going to show it on the national football level stage. Um, and I just want flash. I want pizzazz. I want showtime. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know Marvin Harrison senior is from Philadelphia. So he's got that dog in him too. He's got that Philly in his blood, you know, that, that trickle down down his bloodline a little bit. So he's, you know, anyone from this area, I think has a certain edge to them. And, um, you know, I listen, I would have no complaints at all. If we moved up to get him or we, he fell to us. Absolutely, you waste absolutely no time making that pick. Don't think it'll happen. Um, we talked all different scenarios last year, but we knew at the end of the day we were probably going with an offensive line. We tried to talk ourselves into Zay Flowers, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, but we knew at the end of the day it was probably going to be a lineman. Just like this year, we probably are going to see the same thing happen. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lineman. But. We have let so many star receivers. I know. Imagine Zay Flowers on this offense. By the wayside. Don't yeah. let Brown one on this guy. Oh, my God. Stop, stop, stop. Patrick. Don't let one guy in A.J. Brown fool you. I could go down for an hour and name fucking players of during times we needed wide receivers that we let go to other teams. Hall of Famers, current all pros. The list goes on and on and on. Don't think Amy doesn't know that. Don't think Rand doesn't wasn't told that. Well, if you watched, Don't. if you listened, if you listened to that clip a little bit with Boston with the boys with Derek Henry on it, I think it drops tomorrow. Um, he said every time we, we had the bus rolling, it looks like we just let somebody go, let another guy go. Jack Conklin, AJ Brown, all these other guys, Corey Davis, and, 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 the, and, and, the, and the team does it exactly. Agree with you. We found our quarterback. We know we found our quarterback. Don't be surprised if in Amy's eyes and Rand's eyes, they say, listen, we'll do everything we have to do to protect this kid moving forward, starting right now. But we want Marvin Harrison fucking Jr. playing in this new stadium. 
wearing two-tone blue. We want his fucking dad front and center while we play the Colts. That's what we want. In a fucking in his well, he's not gonna be wearing his son's jersey. He's not you gonna be wearing what? any jersey. No, he's not. He's not, not, not. I but know. You know that, who he's gonna be rooting for. That's what, you could, you know, you never know. That could be the move, and we could stop at no cost to do it. And if we do, then it's gonna be fucking awesome. But again, I'm on board with Joe Alt. So the people in the comments that are ready, that are loaded in the chamber to fucking level me because we got to protect our quarterback. I'm sold on Alt. I just think Marvin is showtime, and I want more showtime because we have a quarterback now who showed him. So that's it, guys. We've been 47. Before, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, go, ahead, out, go, ahead, Jared, go ahead, Jared. Time go out, ahead. time out, time out, time out. I said I wanted to break some news to everybody here on the podcast. It's it's going to be something really special for us, us three, that I'm going to be – I'm going to be the one that's going to be representing us because I'm going to be going to the Super Bowl with the sick media team. It is going to be going astronomic to going to the Super Bowl. I'm not going to the game. I'm going to media week. I'm going to try to bring you the best coverage for us and for our fans and our listeners to bring this show to new heights Very cool. going into 2024. So I'm going to do everything in my power to sit at a table, try to get as many interviews with head coaches, with players. Jeffrey Simmons may be there. He's up for a man of the year. So hopefully maybe I can I'll uh, take a picture squash, of you. Maybe I'll take a picture of me. Maybe I can squash some beef that he had with you at the airport. Yeah, yeah. He'll remember me so, at the airport. Yeah, yeah. yeah he'll remember am, me too with his yeah. fucking quote tweet. Yes, Ask him about yes. my fucking tweet now. Yes. His fucking coach got fired 12 hours after I fucking posted. I still yes. love him, but Ask him about that. I, I'll definitely listen. I'm, I'm I'm hoping we we have the opportunity that we have with the sick team. It's a great opportunity for us to be there media week. Like I said, we're gonna kill it. We're gonna bust our ass uh, to try to bring all you guys the best content and Titans content and sick media content uh, from there. So I'm really looking forward to it, guys. Well, congrats, Jared's going to the Super Bowl and his kids are going to community college now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, not not to the game media week. So I'll be there. Yeah. Very cool. Very, very cool. When are, when are you heading down there? Uh, February 7th. I'll be there. So right. I'm going Friday, uh, Wednesday to Friday. Uh, sick team is going to be there Monday to Monday. So uh, some of them will maybe go into the game. Some of them are not. But uh, it's going to be a great experience for us all. And uh, very look, very much looking forward to it. So, well, Shout out, Jared. Represent us right, out there. Don't do anything that I wouldn't do, all right? Don't embarrass us, all right? Go yeah. Goal is to reach new heights for us in the podcast. That's there what we're you go. Here. That's it. All right, chat. Chat. Oh my god, I'm in work mode right now. You just call him Chad. No, Chad. I say that. I say when I'm when I'm live doing doing my work. Uh, if you guys don't know, I I sell sports cards. I I say chat when I talk to the people that are in my my stream. Because I'm I'm in front of this fucking camera 24 seven. That's why. But I was born for the camera. So what can I say? You got a face for radio. Sorry. Yeah, I do, and I, I'm I'm fine with that. Put me on the radio one day, one day. You never one know. One day, I believe it. Hey, I believe it. You be talk about even a. Wait, the fucking hotline I'd get every Sunday when I make some statement about another coach I want fired. Forget it. I mean, that should be a draw right there. Anyway, CBS, my phone is open. Uh, guys, uh, another episode in the books. Great show, great content as always. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe. Um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna keep trucking along as the information trickles in about coaches and hirings and offseason acquisitions. We'll obviously keep you guys all up to date. Um, but uh, that's gonna be a wrap for tonight. So make sure. Hopefully, everyone has a great rest of their week. Stay warm, and I uh, will catch you guys on the flip. Tighten up, Sammy. Send me out. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much. Until next time. 
Follow the Sick Podcast Talking Titans on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.